Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. We're also joined by our cat today, if you can hear him purring. His purrs might not get caught because of the uh, noise-canceling stuff, but... But he's so precious. He is here. He is our our guest this week. (laughs) So, oh yeah, what are we talking about on the podcast today, babe? <laughs> I guess it's my turn this week. Yeah. Uh, this week we are talking about trans voices, but mm-hmm. not like, not not like in the representation way. No, no, like the literal voices, like literally the sound of our voices, mm-hmm. and how that is. I mean, I think it's very relevant to us on a podcast. We've both mentioned our voice on this podcast before. Yeah, and. It's just such a relevant situation for a lot of gender expansive, non-binary, trans people, just kind of in general. Yeah. So do you want to give us like a rundown of how, like the major ways that it's important to people? Yeah. So so one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode uh, is actually because of an episode we did a couple weeks ago on passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the passing episode, we sampled a song by the band She Her Hers, mm-hmm. and we mentioned in that that a way that is difficult for some trans women to pass is our voices. Mm-hmm. And vo- voices are a very important form of gender expression. Yeah. Like, I have had the experience personally where people will clock me as trans because of my voice. Just for, for context, though, because you dived into the experience of trans women and their voices, for people who might not know much about mm-hmm. vocal cords and how they work, when vocal cords go through a testosterone puberty, they get longer or shorter. One of the, whichever way makes Thicker. your thick, yeah, whichever way <laughs> makes your voice deeper, and that's an irreversible change of um, mm-hmm. testosterone. So while trans men and trans mask people can go on T and they have that change, their voice will drop and it'll sound very similar, if not identical to a cis man's within a few years, mm-hmm. trans women do not have that option. Estrogen does not change your vocal cords back, which I think is yeah. an interesting, like, so voices are very different based on, like, your A-gab. Like, your trans voice experience is very different based on your A-gab. Your A-gab, as well as what kind of puberty you underwent. Because, like, I... Yeah, I guess technically, yeah, you're right. Based on what what your initial puberty, if you've ever had a testosterone puberty. Yeah. There is, I will say a surgery for trans women where they can what it's called tracheal shave i think yeah it's an option it's an option it's not a perfect one though yeah yeah and it does i don't really know how the uh, effects happen i know it's very important for some trans women especially my understanding for tracheal shaves and i may be wrong on this so you know grain of salt is that it also has to do with the adam's apple yeah, I think trachea- I think we might be completing two different surgeries. I think there's one that's a trach shape, and then there's also a, a voice change one. Because I think the voice change one is less common than the 
Adam's apple. Anyway, clearly we don't we're not experts on this particular <laughs> topic. There is a surgical option. It mm-hmm. is not as foolproof as say a top surgery or a facial feminization it is a little bit more not like experimental i'm not that's not what i'm saying but it's just a little bit more like i don't think everybody is um not everybody is able to get it not just for the normal reasons of like medical gatekeeping but like i don't think everybody's vocal cords are necessarily able to get it it doesn't work for everybody it doesn't always have the outcomes that people expect or expect. want um it's yeah. just a little bit more variable because it's not as easy as like lopping off some flesh as in top surgery you know right um right. so that's all to say i just think that voices are particularly interesting because for trans mask people they can be a huge sense of euphoria because it's mm-hmm. one of the first changes you get usually when you start tea even low right. dose tea your voice starts dropping like i had a friend who started tea and felt like their voice dropped within like a couple of days and having listened to them i can back that up like it's it felt like that um mm-hmm. whereas like for trans women like if they are able to get their voice surgically changed it's a huge step and often it's more like vocal training voice training yeah which is a long and from what i've heard dysphoria inducing process it is it's like kind of the opposite i feel like from from what i so from what i understand there are surgeries but i know very little about them yeah. and i for this episode think it would be interesting to focus a lot on non-surgical interventions mostly because i just understand them i don't want to well i just want to give context i think the context of the voice experience being so different for trans mask and trans Mm -hmm. femme people depending on what initial puberty you went through is i just think it makes it extra interesting it does and i also think that like from what i understand from talking to trans women throughout my life voice training Mm -hmm. tends to be a lot more common than surgical interventions 100 uh, voice just i mean voice training is far more accessible there are literally apps for voice there's training. youtube videos like, there's all of it but i however i think that again like i think that your voice dropping when you start tea is often like a really big euphoria mm-hmm. moment whereas from what i've heard about voice training it's much more like trying to hide something that you don't like it's much mm-hmm. more dysphoria driven by and large, of course, there's going to be different people. Some non-binary people don't want their voice to drop. So, you know, whatever. Right. There's different. Some I'm sure people, some people have like an amazing euphoric experience with voice training. But I think that the balance is a little bit different. Right. And for both of these situations, for people who are voice training and maybe it's dysphoric and slash or like once it hits, they feel like really good about it. Yeah. And for trans mask folks who go on T and their voice drops and that is a moment of euphoria. Mm-hmm. That is not an inherently binary experience, Mm-mm. but it's also not, like, it's also far from the only way that trans people experience their voices. voices. Yeah. Like, I mean, so yeah. going back to my personal experience for a second, mm-hmm. I have a relatively neutrally high resting voice. I mean, like, you're all listening to this podcast. Y- you know, my voice is not, like, super duper deep. Yeah. Um, I've never done any voice training. This is kind of where my register sits naturally i don't really have an adam's apple even though i did go through testosterone puberty i kind of got lucky as far as trans bitches go (laughs) and so i have never had really any desire to do voice training or change my voice i like my voice i think it's very nice i've talked about that before on the podcast for sure and i think similarly i've heard accounts from other trans individuals musicians like laura jane grace or she her hers Mm -hmm. who don't do anything to change their voice in their music because it's theirs bless you babs (laughs) 
As I said, our cat is our guest on the podcast today. He has opinions. And he really likes she, her, hers. But they don't change their voice for their songs. And that's because they're musicians. And similarly, there's a lot of songs that I've heard from trans mask or non-binary, non-binary musicians who talk about how like they don't want to go on tea. Oh my God. Like my favorite song ever, which is called Vitamin T. I want to take testosterone, but I can barely sing. What if my voice starts to crack? And it goes round, round, round in my head. Yeah, vitamin T, or Vite T? It's Vite T. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's stylized. Vitamin T, though, is a phenomenal song, and it includes this. Mm-hmm. Although not exactly in the way you're talking about. It's more about somebody who wants to go on tea. The person wants to go on tea, but is afraid of the effects in general, but also on their singing voice. Um, but I think it's still relevant, and it's also an amazing song, and it's by a band called Binary, and when I say binary, it's like bye, B-Y-E, goodbye, binary. Oh, so good. They're 10 out of 10, good. I they're, strongly suggest. They're very good. They're kind of a punky band. Uh, Who knew this podcast was for music recommendations? You know what? <laughs> It'll be great. But I think that the the singer experience, like the experience of musicians who are like, mm-hmm. I like my voice, or... I at least know that I can be successful with this voice. What happens if I try to change it either biologically, surgically, or just by voice training? Like, I've known trans people who are very dysphoric about their singing voices, despite the fact that they want to be musicians and go through, like, have a lot of emotional strife and dysphoria around the fact that, like, their natural registers are lower than they want them to be. And Mm -hmm. they get classed with, like, the wrong gender of singers they get put in those in like the those groups yeah and so i just think that like voices are such a nuanced topic that don't it doesn't get talked about a lot in like the dysphoria discussion i feel like it gets talked about in the dysphoria discussion do you think so at least in the non-binary community because it clocks you really quick that's fair and like i guess I guess it's less that it doesn't get talked about because it is also certainly talked about a lot in the trans femme community as like, this is something that causes me dis- like me personal dysphoria, but it's always, maybe just that it's not physical dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's connected in a different way. What do you mean? Like when people go online and look for dysphoria tips, they tend to be looking for like makeup tutorials, ways to help their hair grow. I'm thinking trans feminine stuff. Yeah. Or maybe on the trans mask side, like masculinizing strategies, like ways to make you appear and like look to passersby more masculine or feminine or perhaps possibly androgynous. Whereas like, I feel like the voice is its own separate path. Like that's, that's something else that you have to figure out on a different track than the other dysphoria. I've never thought about it like that, but that makes sense. Yeah. So We've kind of been bouncing around a little bit here in which population we're talking about. Yeah. So I do kind of want to focus on the specific experience of each, (laughs) all three of the genders. All three of them. We love that. We non-binary people love that (laughs) phrasing. (laughs) Um, And let's start off because we on Gender Journeys tend to focus on the non-binary experience more so. Give me a little bit of insight as to how these sorts of conversations go in the non-binary community uh, as you know it because like you said it it seems like it's 
a little bit more nuanced. Uh, you mentioned it's like a way that you can get clocked really easily. Yeah, I mean, like for people who are trying to conceal their agab, voices can be tough because yeah, you can be clocked pretty easily. But I feel like it's less of a big deal in the non-binary community. I feel like I hear about this most from trans women. Yeah. Because trans men have an easy out if they're on T, they're Gucci. <laughs> That's true. That's um, true. And... Do you feel like AFAB non-binary people feel the same way? That they kind of have like an easy way out if they go on T? I feel like the thing that I've heard about for AFAB non-binary people, and this is always the issue, is the the the, the, the biggest controversy, like the biggest emotional issue is when you want some effects of tea and not other effects of tea and like right. doesn't that doesn't work like that. So people who want their voice to drop but don't want other like don't want facial hair or don't want this, that or the other thing, um, that can be really hard to do. Although interestingly I've seen in the non binary computer community <laughs> <laughs> A non binary computer. Yeah, exactly. Uh in the non binary community because like I said Voice drops is one of the first things that happen. It's like that and bottom growth are like weirdly the like ones that often happen right away and acne, but acne happens either way. Yeah. (laughs) So I've seen some people in the non-binary community who maybe don't want the fat redistribution. They want to have kind of, they like their body shape the way it is, um, or maybe don't want like a full ass beard or don't want to lose their hair. That one, that one's personal. <laughs> <laughs> that one. You do have really nice, thick, beautiful, luscious hair. Exactly. I would never, it's like the main reason I would never go on tea. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but if people are really, really want to, their voice to drop, you can start low-dose tea for like a limited number of months, like six mm-hmm. months to a year, and your voice will generally drop. But that's just like, I mean, I don't want to use the word risky because it's not like medically risky. It's not, you're not going to hurt yourself. It's not like experimental. Again, like that's not what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But like tea is a grab bag of like irreversible effects. Right. So like. And that's, I think that that is always the like caveat to all HRT, mm -hmm. which I find not actually funny, but like a little bit humorous because whenever I read about the effects of estrogen HRT, Mm -hmm. it's always like you cannot control which effects you get. But for estrogen HRT, most of the effects are relatively reversible. Reversible. It's like breast tissue is the only real yeah, one that's irreversible. It, the only one that is... Well, that's because that's how biology is. Right. Testosterone is a poison to f- all fetuses. They were not... <laughs> none of them were starting with estrogen with testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. They all started with estrogen. Mm-hmm. And the testosterone makes permanent changes. It's kind of its thing. Yeah. I mean, notably, if you don't get testosterone mm-hmm. at all, like if you if you block testosterone... In the womb. In the womb, and, like, don't allow for any testosterone, even in an otherwise, like, XY person. They mm-hmm. will develop with, I mean, that's intersex stuff, but yeah. they will develop appearing outwardly. What's it called? Phenotype? Like a female phenotype? Yeah, phenotype. Um, <laughs> Reached all the way back to genetics 101, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I got a degree in this. Um, but... But so I think that's the thing with tea is tea is a lot very permanent. Like, for instance, again, facial hair is permanent. Hair Mm -hmm. loss is permanent. Bottom growth is permanent. Voice changes are permanent. Like, these things can happen pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And they don't unhappen. As opposed to estrogen, which estrogen, it really is breast growth. Yeah. From from what I understand, 
as somebody who's been on estrogen for almost five years, yeah. estrogen, the only really non-reversible effect of estrogen is you develop breasts. And like, and maybe it might fuck up your sperm. They like to tell you that it'll make you infertile. But I don't, I've never seen any conclusive science on that, but they like to tell you it'll make you infertile. Yeah. I, uh, jury's out. I yeah, jury's we'll really truly out. TBD, but... But like everything else does like come like slowly go back if you if you were to stop estrogen of course just to be very clear estrogen (laughs) has tons of effects but yeah if you were to stop it yeah and you hadn't what's the what's the deballing surgery called (laughs) or reactive you can also just get bottom surgery but well if you hadn't had either of those your body was still producing endogenous testosterone and you stopped e you would like go back to all these things whereas again t is just like it's the opposite shit's permanent Mm -hmm. um so i think People definitely play around in the non-binary community with, like, low-dose tea and, like, going on and off it. And I don't say play around because it's, it's not a bad thing. I'm not trying, to, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to make bad connotations. It's just, like, those people have to be very well-informed about the, all the potential, chan- all the potential um, mm-hmm. outcomes of what they're doing. And if the one thing you're looking for is a voice change, it can kind of be very touch-and-go, like, okay... I just want my voice to be, like, a little bit deeper. Like, mm-hmm. not even all the way, like, full, like, absolute bottom of the register deep. Just, like, a, just enough yeah. that I can and stop And then you might talked. wind up with a tiny penis. And then you're just like, whoa, this is not whoa. what I asked for. <laughs> um, so, like, I think that's kind of the voice conversation from the non-binary stance is more. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't see a ton of. I mean, there's not enough AMAB non-binary representation in general, but I don't see very much discourse around AMAB non-binary people doing voice training. That's just not something I've seen very much of. Yeah. I So I guess that's a good segue into trans women, which yeah. we already talked quite a bit about, so we won't linger too long on. But I think voice training is huge in the in it's, the trans women community. It's annoyingly huge. That's my, that's my, that's my uh, controversial hot take for the day. Well, I kind of agree with it as somebody who likes my voice, but again, I'm very privileged to have a relatively high voice for a trans woman. But, like, trans women have really cool voices. Yeah. Like, our voices slap. 10 out of 10. We sound really cool. Tons of cis women have really low voices and everybody loves them. Yeah. Like, sultry Mm -hmm. is a word I would use. (laughs) (laughs) If I was asked to describe my voice. (laughs) Sultry is a very good word for... Those of us who have lower voices, like, and it's, you mentioned that a lot of cis women have lower voices and they're like lauded for it. And that's true. I personally do think that there's like, on average, like a slightly different cadence or like a slightly different twang to trans women voices. Well, I think what what you're touching on there has nothing to do with biology. It has a lot to do with men and women are conditioned to speak differently. Yeah. That's something I hear a lot more about in the non-binary community. That's no, a fair point. Not how you, not like literally the, the, the register of how you're speaking, but like, are you, what's the word called? You know how like women are conditioned to end and up swings so it sounds like they're always asking a question or maybe they're always going blah, 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 blah. like they end as mm-hmm, though they're questioning mm-hmm. everything whereas men are often conditioned to do literally the opposite which makes them sound very confident quote unquote or perhaps overbearing <laughs> in everything that they're saying um mm-hmm. and like you can like track like business meetings quote unquote like i'm imagining like a stock photo of a corporate office <laughs> but you can track meetings like that and you can find out that men cut off women constantly and you can find out that men have at least 75% of the talking time and you can find out that 
there are like vocal differences that have nothing to do with the register. Mm-hmm. They're just like literally the way that you pace and the way you, that you talk. I think men also are conditioned to speak a little bit more slowly and like consistently. I'm trying to think of not, it, it's all very positively coded. And then the women, the way women do things are all very negatively coded. Women tend to like speak a little bit faster and be a mm-hmm. little bit more excited, you know, right. <laughs> a little bit more ditzy. Like, I mean, these are like, these are where the, stereotypes Stereotypes but the stereotypes affect how people really talk because Mm -hmm. little girls and i mean i mean i don't mean afab people i mean little girls Mm -hmm. uh look at women in tv shows and model themselves off of those and that those women are based on stereotypes and talking in the the way that women are like quote unquote supposed to talk then like that little girl will grow up and when she goes into a boardroom people will think that she's not confident because she's ending off her her sentences with the question lilt can you tell that Ella's studying psychology? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. that I think that stuff comes up a lot more in non-binary. I, I see a lot of people be able to be like, I get clocked differently depending on like how I'm speaking or what right. mood I'm in, and that's not about voice training type like speaking. That's about like mm-hmm. what words I choose, what pace I'm, what mm-hmm. yeah. That just reminds me of when I used to work that call center job. I used to occasionally correct people's pronouns if they misgendered me over the phone which is like the time when i most often get misgendered because my voice is a little deeper mm-hmm. and this woman called me a young man and i was like oh actually i'm a girl and she went ah uh, you've got your man voice on have you had a long day and i was like what wow <laughs> what <does that> mean? <laughs> no but that's real because i feel like that's the opposite of like the customer service voice because i definitely mm-hmm. like yeah yeah yeah. I don't know. I this also just hits home for me because I I can tell when I'm doing it mm-hmm. when I'm like speaking in the way that I was taught will calm and or satisfy people, mm-hmm. and I hate when I notice that I'm doing it and I can't not do it. Yeah, it's really tough. That's fair. Do you think does that have any like gendered connections for you? A little bit, mm-hmm. but mostly it's just annoying because like <laughs> I tend to just like start, I mean, I do the same thing that I was just describing, right? And I'll do it when I'm like presenting on something that I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I fucking know this, like get fucked brain. Like I, I know what I'm talking about. We do not have to ask these things like they're questions. I'm more knowledgeable on this subject than anybody else in this room. Mm-hmm. So could we just translate that out my mouth, please? <laughs> like, maybe? <laughs> so, I mean, like, I think it, it gets me in a gendered way, but just in, like, a misogyny has harmed me way. Okay. More so sense. than anything else. Yeah. But that is to say, and I, I, like I said, I know this kind of from the trans woman perspective. I think that trans women have really cool voices. And I think it's because a lot of this, like the intersection of mm-hmm. our voices being a little bit lower, often trying to pull our voices upward, and this blending of these conditionings. I wonder if that is something that maybe can be said to of trans men or trans masculine people, like people who go on T, because like just because your voice drops if you continue to utilize certain conditioned manners of speaking. Yeah, but if you use those conditioned manners of speaking, the worst you're going to get is judged as an effeminate man who are still judged differently than women. That's true. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that... I think that's something we haven't mentioned that I do think is interesting is trans folk when they go on T and their voice is dropping. It takes a couple of months and during those couple of months they sound they sound funny. They do. I mean they sound like they sound like 
You sound a little bit like teenage boys. Right. And so like that, that is something that if you were like stealth or like you were not trying to tell people or like maybe you were trying to get some of the effects of tea before you came out because you wanted to like transition smoothly from living as a Mm -hmm. woman to living as a stealth man, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that would be very challenging. I know that that's something that a lot of trans, older trans women that I know Mm -hmm. are in the process of doing. Trans men or trans women? Sorry, trans women. Did I say trans men? Wait, I'm confused. Okay, let me back up. Okay. That's something I know a lot of older trans women that I know are doing, mm-hmm. which is going on estrogen and then waiting like six months to oh, a year to come out so that like when they come out, they feel fully comfortable mm-hmm. and they'll already have had a lot of those changes. I think that's harder to do for trans men specifically because of the voice. Because That'd be the voice bet. will hit and then like people will be like, what's up with your voice? What's up with your voice? Like that's, again, mm-hmm. I have a friend who went on tea recently. This is the same friend who their voice dropped incredibly quickly. But, like, they sounded like they had a cold, like, at best, if you didn't know anything about tea. They sounded like they had a cold for, like, three months. They, you were like, you good? Like, do you need a tissue? You're coughing a lot. You sound really, like, raspy. What's up, honey? <laughs> Probably voice cracking a little bit, little squeaks. I didn't I didn't ever hear their voice crack, personally. But, yeah, it just, like, it is notable. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you didn't know that this person was trans and maybe transness isn't on your radar and T transitions are not on your radar, you would just probably think they were sick. You would probably just mm-hmm. be like, do you have a really bad cold? Did you take up three pack a day smoking? Like, are you well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it would be notable. Like, people would, would ask notable. questions. Like, I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think you could start T without telling people and expect people not to ask questions. Like, people would be yeah. like, you sound different and or unwell right <laughs> what can right. i do can i offer you some tea which i think and and that looping it all the way back to the beginning with the singer conversations i think also part of mm-hmm. why tea specifically is such like a strong hesitation for a lot of yeah. people because if you're does. already a professional singer like back to she her hers or binary like if you're already a professional singer it's especially both of those bands while amazing are not they're not like taylor swift they don't have it made (laughs) i don't think either of them could like comfortably just take a year off of music for their voice to drop well she her hers is a trans woman oh you're right sorry i got mixed (laughs) okay but she, her, hers also probably couldn't take a year off to wait do for, to do her to do voice, voice training. training and then also translate that voice training into singing, yeah. which would also probably take a great long time. Yeah. But like I mean, if you, yeah. if you're currently practicing as a musician or like if you're in school for music or you're like doing this, this, that or the other thing, like going without is probably going to affect your career. It's probably going to affect your mental health if this is like the thing that you do and you love yeah. and you can't do it all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I have heard, and just like to balance this, I've heard a lot of stories of non-binary people specifically going on tea and being able to continue their singing. Right. I mean, it's, and just, it's just a little bit iffy. I think it's one of those things where it's like really important to, to note the trans experience is not very well studied. And mm-hmm. it's also like, it has been a very narrow experience for a very long time. Yeah. It, there's not a lot of actual like evidence as to how things like voice training or voice dropping from tea might affect your ability to sing well but there is there is i'll push back on that though Mm -hmm. because since time and fucking memoriam Mm -hmm. the church has loved little boys voices that's true loved them and at some point those little boys went through a testosterone puberty and became men in the choir i don't think they were singing during that time necessarily Mm -hmm. but like 
somebody who knows we should also point out neither of us are singers yeah, neither of us are singers <laughs> neither of us have any yet. fucking idea what we're talking about mm-hmm. um but somebody somewhere knows how to coach somebody who's undergoing a testosterone puberty mm-hmm. through through vocal training like right. somebody knows how to make that to like ease that transition that's a good point like somebody out there knows mm-hmm. that now whether or not they're willing because my like i said a lot of that love of little boys singing voices is the church and so a lot of those singing coaches might also be associated with the church and like is that a safe place for trans women to or trans men to be interacting with but somebody like this knowledge exists in the singing community um that's a good point and i i think that that we on gender journeys tend to do a lot of like it's not as bad as you think kind of content and like i think this is one of those situations where like there's uh, there's like silver linings there's like yeah. things that you can do to make this particular aspect of transition easier yeah and like even if you are somebody that's really hard for like a singer yeah there's like there's ways to address that and also you just don't have to like yeah. change your voice you don't have to do any transition stuff fuck all of those no i mean like honestly in my opinion except for top surgery i'm pretty pro top surgery <laughs> You no know, one has to do top surgery. <laughs> yeah, but it's really neat. <laughs> it is very neat. Your your chest looks very good. But trans women can have super deep, sultry, creaky, beautiful voices. I don't, think, really cool. I don't think creaky is a is a complimentary word I... for voices, Miss Ryder. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I have described trans women voices as like the way that a ship creaks like an old ship or something because i think that's neat but maybe that's not kind <laughs> come at me call me out on twitter whatever it's fine but that i mean but we can have our deep sultry voices mm-hmm. afab non-binary and trans men mm-hmm. if i mean if trans men don't want to go on t or if their voices don't drop all that much because like also yeah ge- i mean genetics play a genetics role in how deep your voice can get mm-hmm. you can have a mid to high register voice and you're still valid in your gender right and probably sound really fucking cool 10 out of 10 like humans are weirdly good at picking up where on our internal idea of a voice scale Mm -hmm. you fall we mentioned voice training i mentioned there are apps for it there is actually an app where you can do voice training that has settings for androgynous oh yeah there's there's definitely because also i mean not all of them are set for you to want that but all of them show you where the like androgynous space is Mm -hmm. when you're like doing your practices yeah so you can like yeah you can just set that as your own personal goal and if that's something that you want to pursue and undergo you know more power to you and also think about the way that like cadence and word choice also plays into it Mm because i think that's a bigger part of it than people always recognize yes but at the same time i personally think that we should let trans people live with the voices that they have if they would like to because Mm -hmm. i just we sound really cool that's true and it's beautiful and we don't have to conform to cis society 10 out of 10 all right so that's where we're gonna wrap it up this week on gender journeys the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context as always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, Elle. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. 
Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.